the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. This is a um, a hugely important uh, report you've issued, and uh, I, I want to go through it with you. But before I go through some of the um, some of the findings that I think our audience will find uh, interesting ask you, you know, you've been at this a while. When you put this report together, did anything surprise you? Uh, Did you find anything surprising that you would not have predicted or wouldn't have predicted in the at the volume that it came in at? Well, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of things. First, we released this on the same day that uh, a bombshell study covering six million people over five decades in Denmark, if you mm-hmm. can believe it, mm-hmm. um, found 30% of schizophrenia among young men 18 to 29 mm-hmm. are related to marijuana use disorder. Mm-hmm. And we included a lot of data on that, on, on, on schizophrenia and psychosis in the report. Um, but I was surprised, frankly, at that statistic that was that high. I mean, yeah. I knew it was high, but yeah. that is, I mean, you don't find that kind of linkage with really anything. Right. Uh, so right. that is just a really high percentage. And, um, you know, it just it speaks to the fact that today's marijuana is not the old Woodstock wheat. We're not talking about, you know, 3%, you know, ditch wheat. We're talking 90, in some cases, more than that percentage of the THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient. So I was surprised at that. That, that actually came out at the same day. I was surprised that um, almost every single uh, mass shooter that we've yep. looked at over the last 10 years yep. Marijuana is a common denominator. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm right. not saying, even saying it's causal. Right. So before I get all the emails, you know, saying that it's, you know, I'm making sort of a bad comparison, I, I just think it's important that that is a common denominator. And I'm not, I am not surprised that it is, given that today's marijuana can lead to psychosis, which leads to violence. Right. So that, that, but I think a lot of people would be surprised. And that, 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 exact, that number that I saw that we're talking over 90% of those folks have, you know, a history of heavy, heavy marijuana use, so much so that it was one of the first things that friends or family told the police. Um, that's surprising to me. Um, the one in four Colorado drivers now are under the influence of marijuana, right. the, the ones that get into car crashes. Right. That's just a huge number. I mean, we never would have, we, we would have predicted one in six, one in seven, but 25%, right. that is remarkable. Uh, so, frankly, all of these things are surprising me, and I. But a lot of it isn't surprising me. It's stuff that we predicted ten years ago, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, money prevailed. And the truth so, is, uh, for those of us that have been paying attention, the science the science has been bearing this out and proving this for the better part of a decade. As you put in your report, oh, there are more than twenty thousand peer reviewed research articles linking marijuana use to mental out adverse mental health outcomes like this. No, that's that's exactly right. We've known this for a while. Um, you know, the linkages are getting stronger because of today's potent marijuana. However, we have known, no, there has been potent marijuana in the past. It wasn't used as widely, but, you know, when people would talk about hashish, I mean, there were reports from the mid-1800s 
uh, of people writing about hashish and causing sort of mania and uh, you know delusional behavior, what we would call psychosis. Mm-hmm. So you know it's hundred it's over one hundred and fifty years old this notion. But I think the levels that we're seeing it now that that that's what's surprising. And um, when you look at sort of what a typical marijuana user looked like twenty years ago versus what a typical one looks like today, it's an order of magnitude difference. Um, the comparison we like to use is think about caffeine and 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 sort of Coca Cola. You know, the amount of THC consumed today among the typical marijuana user is like 33 Starbucks cappuccinos for caffeine versus, you know, a, a can of Coke, which which is what it was 20 years ago. That's how, that's the difference now. And so it's just completely different. And um, that that is very worrisome because it's we've just seen the consumption levels off the charts because there's an industry targeting people wanting to make money. Let's stay on that for a moment, the consumption levels, uh, Dr. Sabat, because it's not just the consumption levels, which is now high-potency THC, uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, the psychoactive ingredient ingredient marijuana issue. It's not, it's, it's not just that, but it's the frequency of use, too, which has also increased, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, what we're seeing now, basically in the 90s, what we used to see is that about 10% of those who said, yeah, I used marijuana last month, 10% of those people were using it every day, which yeah. is, by the way, roughly the same number as alcohol. That yeah. number has right. always been very similar. Right. But as of about 10 years ago, we now have seen this huge growth, big gulf between alcohol and, and marijuana. Alcohol is still about 1 in 10. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. If anything, alcohol is being, been, being used less. Um, but what we're seeing now is this huge gulf. And so now we're talking about 50% at least of people, one in two of everybody that says, yeah, I used it last month, actually used it almost every day. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge difference on the consumption levels. And by the way, when it comes to alcohol, those people are more likely to also drink heavily. So this idea that it's actually substituting people like, oh, well, you know, it's, at least people are using marijuana, not alcohol. Actually, they're using both. Those heavy users of marijuana are also heavily consuming alcohol. They're not not using alcohol. Uh, that's right. And for a while, the legalization campaign was trying to make the case that not only was marijuana safer than alcohol, but that it would replace or become a substitute for alcohol. And that did not bear out. And that, that raised, I mean, you and I probably would have guessed it wouldn't. But um, one of the, he's now passed away and he wasn't always on our side, but one of the serious researchers in this field, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, used to be at UCLA, who? Mark Kleiman. Thank you. Mark Kleiman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark Kleiman. That's exactly right. I, yeah. I should ask you what the lottery numbers will be, Kevin. He <laughs> said that he would have predicted that alcohol would be redu- alcohol use would be reduced with the legalization of marijuana in places like Colorado and Washington. And it just was the opposite was true. It just it, it, even he said it, it didn't bear out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and you know, and one of the things he was worried about, and he was a revered academic, I didn't always agree with him yeah, right. um, on everything. Um, but I actually think, by the way, just for the right, i got to say this, I never said this publicly, the New York Times obituary of, of, of him, the headline was completely wrong. The headline made it out to be like he was a cannabis advocate, which yeah. he actually, he would shudder at that. I think it's, it's not yet. No, he was much more now. nuanced. Yes, yeah. I agree with you. He, yeah. His views were nuanced, yeah. and I didn't, like you didn't always agree, but he was he was yeah. pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was, and he talked. He was very worried about the commercialization of this, and um, you know, and again, but the alcohol thing, Seth, is so interesting because 
if you think about, well, why have we seen this change in public opinion? Well, if you think about what was going on, you know, this country in the 60s and 70s was moving very close to frankly, legalizing all drugs, mm-hmm. not just marijuana. I remember LSD yep. was the time of, you know, Timothy Leary. Yeah. Um, you had, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter's drug czar say that cocaine is a very mild drug. Right. This is before the advent of crack. But still, you know, to say that is remarkable. Um, this is before we had fentanyl or those analogs. We didn't have methamphetamine, really, um, you know, widespread use. So, you know, th- there was a time where we were like, well, you know, maybe we've changed and sort of, you know, we're the young generation now, the baby boomers were, you know, still kind of in their early 20s and 30s. They're kind of okay with it. And then basically we had an era in the 1980s that came in, and people like to make fun of just say no, but there was a cultural shift in this country on drugs. I mean, there just was. Dr. Sabat, there were a lot of promises and a lot of arguments made for these legalization schemes. Uh, And um, two of the big ones that had a lot of purchase was one, it would be good for purposes of criminal justice reform because we would stop uh, arresting and locking up uh, marijuana users. And the other was that if we wanted to get rid of the cartels, just undercut their entire basis for existing and legalize it. Would you care to address either or both of those claims and how they have borne out with legalization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, these claims, they're part of the claims that were really focus grouped. Uh, you know, what was going to work to change the view? I was saying in the last segment that we used to be pretty anti-drug and the, and the marijuana industry and the marijuana movement was kind of stopped in their tracks. Now, what do we do? So they focus grouped and they thought of a couple of things that would be that, that actually changed in minds. One was this idea that it's medicine in all forms, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's we know it's medicine in some forms, but in mo- most forms, it's not medicine. Number two, they said it would it's better than alcohol. And, we'll, and we, were, we just talked about how it actually increases alcohol. So not but then but, but again, that was a message that they used, no, no matter the data. But then they also used this idea that, well, drug dealers don't ask for identification. So <laughs> if we want to keep Keep it away from kids, right? Let's let's sell it on the up and up, like as if you know, alcohol kids don't drink right? or smoke just, cigarettes, yeah, right. or smoke or whatever. So 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 that argument doesn't work. Um, it also doesn't work because cartels, frankly, are emboldened by legalization. They 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 are able to fill the huge demand that happens as a result of legalization that the government cannot keep up with. So the cartels are diversified businesses. It's not just marijuana; they're dealing with many other things. And actually, legalization helps them. They can go under the cover of legalization. Um, it's a reason why I'll be testifying the day after tomorrow. In Washington at the U.S. Senate Banking Committee, I just got the word in a couple minutes ago on email that they would like me to testify on, you know, why we should not give banking access to the marijuana industry. Well, one of the primary reasons is that we're basically giving banking access to the cartels if we do that because they're so involved in the marijuana industry and they're using it legalization as a cover for it. Um, so, so anyway, but these are things that were focus grouped and, uh, you know, the other one is social justice, right? Yeah. Which was, you know, the last couple of years, the issue of social justice has been, you know, really grown to the forefront. And there's this total myth out there that our prisons are full of people whose only crime is smoking a joint. And the reality is they're not. And so, you know, while there may be arrests, which are usually like citations that are excused, there's no one behind bars. In fact, when President Biden pardoned, Every, you know, he pardoned, um, he said, I'm going to pardon people with marijuana convictions. No one will be in federal prison for that. And if you have a conviction and you've been in prison for the last 30 years, you know, this is your day. 
Guess how many people Seth, were released from prison when he did that? They could they couldn't they couldn't go back twenty years and find people that were effectively was, only right. in prison right. for marijuana. That's right. It was zero. They couldn't go back thirty. They, yeah. they tried to go back thirty. Years. Was it thirty? Yeah, I remember was, they looked high and low <laughs> to prove <laughs> that they could do something here, and it was, lo and behold, they weren't there. Yeah. It was zero. Yeah. So, you know, now I will, I'm a practical person. I'm a nonpartisan. So from a political point of view, frankly, if that's what the Biden administration thinks that all they need to do on marijuana to please the legalizers is release non-existent people from prison, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Like, great. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, but, uh, you know, from a point of view of this messaging, it just actually, in some ways, it busted the myth. Um, we finally could tell people, look, look, like literally they were just released and there was no one released. Yeah. So this idea that they're in prison, and even state prison, it's such a small number of people who have really have anything to do with marijuana. Yeah. So the reality is this is not social justice. Um, black people are not becoming billionaires overnight because of legalization. Um, there are these phony equity schemes in states like Illinois and New York where they're literally – the state is spending millions of dollars to find people of color to give pot licenses to. It's failing spectacularly yeah. for, for numerous reasons. Yeah. The quality of life of communities, I you know, Phoenix yeah. is uh, where I live. Uh, we're, we're, we're just kind of getting our sea legs uh, on the kinds of stuff that places like Colorado, particularly Denver and Seattle, have had a lot, of ex- a lot more experience with because a lot more years with it. It is amazing to me the crime, uh, the 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 rising crime rates, violent crime rates, and the destruction of neighborhoods like that. Uh, what is it, Sixteenth Street Mall? It's just not the same place. I mean, marijuana has ruined nice communities yeah. in places like Denver. Well, it, it sure has. I mean, and even Manhattan. I was going to ask you. I hear about that from time to time. I haven't been in Manhattan oh in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, Manhattan was never sort of like the yellow brick road model of cleanliness. But on the other hand, you, you know, it was a certain times of the year and in certain neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you might smell marijuana as recently as, let's say, 2018, 2019. Right. I, I mean, I lived there for yep. a little while. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. But now, if you don't smell marijuana at any neighborhood at any time of the day, you notice it. That's you know, the, that's the asterisk. Yeah, that's the odd thing. It's you, it's everywhere, and everyone is saying it. And now, I mean, there are finally articles and things by people who didn't really care about the pot issue, longtime New Yorkers who are like, yeah, this place is stinking everywhere mm-hmm. up. Because marijuana smoke actually travels much further than tobacco smoke, and it also has a worse secondhand smoke effect like lungs and heart and, and brain than tobacco does. And so, you know, there are studies now showing that in New York public housing, for example, the complaints and the kids that are growing up around just but it's not just obviously public housing it's also you know rich upper east side buildings but i'll tell you the people in the public housing are going to suffer more because they have less access to resources less access to support and you know we're basically giving people with a bad hand in life already we're actually making it harder for them to live free harder for them to succeed and i don't see why a lot of people aren't just seeing how regressive this policy can be well, we may ultimately have to have a lot more uh, social uh, fallout, a lot more f- social destruction before we get serious and try to do something about it. Uh, this is right. a society that just acts too slowly on these things, despite right. the warnings that people like you have been giving us for many, many years. Kevin, I have about 30 seconds left. Would you mind just saying a word about marijuana and whether it's addictive or not? 
Oh, it's definitely addictive. We have millions of people with what, what scientists call a cannabis use disorder. Mm-hmm. We know that one in three people who use marijuana in the past year actually have a cannabis use disorder. And people don't think it's a real thing, but it is. Talk to, you know, Paulina Finsky, Dr. Drew, famous Dr. Drew's daughter, who yep. talks about now her cannabis use disorder. Talk to all kinds of people who are having problems. Go to any treatment center and ask the medical director what the number one problem, especially among people under 30 are, but really anybody, and I promise you, they will say marijuana is involved in almost every person there, fentanyl or not, cocaine or not, marijuana is there. So it's a real thing. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.